This is the intro jingle. This is the K-Pop Devok Show with Eric Nam. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to K-Pop Tebok with Eric Nam. I'm incredibly excited for today's episode because we have a very special guest uh, joining us today. I'm sure you guys can tell if you're watching this or if you've seen the episode description. But we have one of my favorite singers, songwriters, performers on the face of the planet here with us. His name is Lauv, aka Ari. How are you, man? Good. Thank you for the intro. I'm feeling good, man. How are you? I'm good. Um, where are you calling for us from? I am in my house in LA. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you've just yeah. been locked away for for isolation quarantine? Yeah, I've just been in my house. Um, luckily, I have a studio in my house, so it keeps me sane. And I'm with a few friends of mine, so it's been oh, pretty cool. good. That's yeah. a good setup. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm near LA in a house for two months, and I'm like, I'm starting to feel a little, little wild. <laughs> But are you with are you with anybody or are you just I'm with family someone? but and you okay, know we yeah. work together and we you know so it's just like a lot of the same people yeah. I'm thankful to have people but it's a lot of the same people I love them yeah but. yeah I totally feel that <laughs> totally um but feel th- that. but thanks for joining us we're excited to have you, Thank you. and um how you been I mean you've you know put out a new album a massive album and <laughs> so many songs, so much to discuss. I know. Um, but I mean, how are you feeling? I'm pretty good. You know, I um, I was waiting on that album for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it very much for me marked like a big journey of kind of going from a pretty bad place. Like I was struggling a lot mentally and emotionally, um, kind of when I was really starting the process and um, got through it and I'm in a much better place. And yeah, so the album... There's a lot of, yeah, a lot of emotion uh, put mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I can't wait to dive into some of the songs and, you know, that process a little bit later in this, in this podcast. But um, before we, before we do that, I guess a lot of people, a lot of my, my fans know that um, there are a couple songs that I have that you were on, that you were involved with. Um, yeah. And one of them, I had no idea, but idea of you. Which was with Ari. Oh, you didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know till like way later. And I was like, that's crazy. That's um, so funny. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because I love the song. As soon as I heard it and, and Ari was like, can you jump on it? I was like, absolutely. And then yeah. come to find out it was it was you who had written on it. Um, and then obviously there was Runaway, which is with yes. yourself and uh, Loot and yes. Michael Pollock. Yes. Um, we put out last year. So… And I don't know if you know this, but like even before all this, I have a f- we have a mutual friend, uh, Matosik. Oh yeah. So the first oh, time yeah. I ever heard of your song and your music is Matosik. Michael put up a post on his Facebook, and it was the other. Oh, God, it's this so is crazy. Uh, what year is this? Probably like 2016, 15. Yeah, uh, 2015 is when I released it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, after I graduated college. Um, Matosik and I hadn't really kept in touch, but then I knew he was trying to do, he was like songwriting, doing stuff, and it came up and I heard it. And I was like, holy crap, this song is great. And I, whoever this is has a great voice. And then uh, come to find out it was you. And so I feel like I've, I've watched your career just kind of explode from the inception. So it's been a lot of fun to do that. I appreciate but, uh, you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. But so tell, tell us about like, you know, where did you grow up? How did you get into music? 
you went to NYU, and from what yeah. I was told, you um, started writing and producing in New York, and then life happened. How did that work out? Yeah. So I was born in San Francisco, and I kind of I moved around a lot growing up. Um, I lived in Georgia and Pennsylvania, and then New York, um, and then now here in LA. Um, but I started playing music, you know, when I was a little kid. Like it was just like piano lessons when I was like I don't know, four five years old or whatever, and then. And then it was viola because my sisters played violin and cello. So I started playing viola. Um, I was like playing in orchestras and stuff, which was really funny. Um, and then when I was, I don't know, nine or 10 or something like that, I started playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got kind of into like rock music and stuff. And I just became obsessed from there. It was like I was learning all these Green Day songs and whatever and um, Led Zeppelin and like all like what, you know, the stuff you yeah. start learning when you first start playing guitar. And um, I got super into that. And then I think I started writing songs. They were really bad, but I started writing songs <laughs> when I was like probably like 13 or so. Um, and yeah. And then I was like playing in different bands throughout middle school and high school. I was very into like the MySpace scene like the emo yeah 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 super into that (laughs) um yeah and i was like playing in like that like that kind of scene you know like warp tour and all this stuff and writing songs and learning how to produce and recording my bands and stuff and and then you know it didn't really like work out and i i kind of always i've always been very hard on myself and very like Mm -hmm. Like I want things to happen. I'm not very patient. And so when yeah. I was like 16, I wrote a song about how my career wasn't happening. And I was like, now I look back, I'm like, I was 16, <laughs> which now is like old anyways. But back then I was like young to be popping off. So I was like, oh, and so I kind of like gave up a little bit on trying to be an artist. And, uh-huh. you know, then I went to school at NYU. And for the first couple of years, I was like, oh, I'm just going to try to work on my craft as a songwriter and producer. And um and just focus on that, like making, I was making remixes and writing, you know, that's when I met Metasic um, back, you know, um, when I was in NYU mm-hmm. and we started writing a bunch and, and then Michael Pollack and, you know, a bunch of other friends. And, and then um, I just one day we wrote the other and it just felt like a song that wasn't, it shouldn't be pitched, you know, for another artist. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it was so personal. I just gone through like a breakup and, and I was like, I would love to try singing it. And I was really nervous, but I, you know, sang it and like produced it. And then I was like, like, let's try putting it out and see what happens. And it was kind of just going to be like a side project thing. But then I came up with the name and put out this first song. I think it was like March 2015. And um, and I know this is kind of a long winded way of explaining it. No, it's great. But, yeah. And then even then, like I was still, I was super like, nervous and insecure and didn't want to really put my face out and like didn't know really what I wanted to do aside from release that song and stuff but I kind of just kept making music and experimenting and over time I just grew like more and more comfortable and more passionate about Mm -hmm. being an artist again you know like I wanted to be when I was a kid and I kind of stopped doing as much of the I'm going to be behind the scenes thing and um yeah and then like around I guess 2017 Um, right before I put out I Like Me Better, that was like the time where I was like, you know what, I'm going to go for this. Mm -hmm. Like the other, you know, it was two years after the other came out. It started blowing up on Spotify somehow. And um, I was like, you know what, I'm ready to like properly go for this. And yeah, and then I I guess I haven't looked back since. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, You know, I feel like hearing how you grew up, I assume your parents were incredibly supportive of you pursuing music and doing all that. 
what yeah i feel super lucky yeah no they were you know like i know some people don't you know have it like that and so i'm really appreciative that they're so supportive they're all you know both of them are scientists so they're oh really what kind of scientists so my mom works in vaccine research and um my dad teaches various um subjects in science and um also had a background in research but mm-hmm. my dad also would like kind of sing around the house in the morning he would like make okay. up songs as he was making coffee and stuff and mm-hmm. i don't think i realized that at the time but he definitely has that musical energy and is very mm-hmm. passionate about music and um and um yeah but they were always they were always supportive you know they, they were always supportive of me and my two sisters to do you know what we love to do and um which is i'm super thankful for that that's awesome uh you mentioned you grew up in georgia for a bit where where about did you grow up I was right outside of Atlanta. Yeah. Wait, I, so I'm from Marietta. Um, oh, wait, I didn't realize that. <laughs> so I grew up like in Duluth, Alpharetta for like 10 years. And then I was in Marietta for like another eight years or so. Until I went to BC. Okay. I was uh, in um, like by like Decatur. If you oh, know. Yeah. yeah. We're like right there. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. Wait, how old were you when you were there? I was born and raised there, so like from zero to eighteen, and then I went to I went oh, to Boston yeah. for school. Okay. So, Whoa. Yeah, Atlanta is like one of those low key places that not a lot of people think of, but then like you you run into people who have spent time there and moved on or something. Yeah, I still have the four hundred four area code. Honestly, Atlanta's really cool. Like I I wish I could spend more time back there again. Um, yeah, it's really cool, and I I got super into skateboarding and stuff. I was like crazy about skateboarding when I lived there. <laughs> that was like the cool thing to do in Atlanta when you're a kid yeah. growing up. I remember we built little ramps to like jump off with rollerblades and skates and somebody yes. always gets hurt. Um, yeah. But you know, that's that's part of growing up in the burbs of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I guess in 2015, you put out the other. 2017, you put out I Like Me Better. When did you move out over to LA and how was that transition? Get the perfect background music for your business in the world's biggest catalog with over 50 million songs. Soundtrack Your Brand lets you search by song or artist just like you're used to. Play whatever you want and schedule it for whenever you want. It's fully licensed and legal for your business. Right now, you can try Soundtrack free for 30 days. Just go to www.soundtrackyourbrand.com and get started in minutes. It's background music that works. Um, I moved out to LA in like 2016. So I graduated NYU. Well, so I signed a publishing deal towards the end of NYU. Mm-hmm. And the company is based out in LA. Oh, okay. And um, I was very much like, I was like, oh, should I finish? Should I not? But I was like three quarters of the way through. And, you know, it's like, let's be real. It's such an expensive school. It'd be like, I can't, like, I feel like you're this far, like to just like bail, you know, especially after having the opportunity to go to school yeah. like that. It would be might as well like just wasted. do it. Yeah, might as well mm-hmm. do it. Like, you know, like, like it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm lucky that I was able to. So I was like, you know, I'll take advantage of that. And um, so I finished and moved out to LA literally like right after I graduated. Like, I don't, I think I waited maybe a day or two, I feel mm-hmm. like. And just flew out to California. Or no, 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 no. I flew out to Seattle where my parents live. And I rented a U-Haul truck. Oh. And I had brought like a bunch of suitcases from from NYU to Seattle. Rented a U-Haul truck and drove down to yeah. LA um, to, you know, the house I was renting and sharing with, um, Pollock 
and Matasik at the time originally. He he ended up moving out. I think he couldn't okay. deal with us because we're, we're a little crazy. No, <laughs> and um, yeah, so 2016. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of the beginning of LA. Uh, what was it like transitioning to like a new city? I think for a lot of people, for a lot of musicians, singer songwriters, whoever, going to LA is a big defining moment for a lot of people. Yeah, um, no, it's a sure. completely different social scene. It's a different. It's just a different place. What was that like for you? Was it difficult? Was it easy? Or yeah, it was both. Like it was like so exciting because I was like, finally, I can wake up every single day and just make songs. Like no classes, nothing. Like for the first time in my life, song, song, mm-hmm. song in a city full of songwriters and artists and producers and meeting new people every day. Yeah. And it was that was amazing. And like you know, I was like finding myself in crazy situations. You know, like I don't know, even like the first time, like. I got asked to come to like Jason Derulo's house, you know, like kind of right after I moved to LA because I had like written a song that, you know, he was working on. It didn't end up coming out, but, um, and like all this stuff was happening. And I was like, it was so mind blowing to me, you know, because like a year ago I was just like, I was like cold emailing managers and and trying to like pitch my songs. And then like stuff was starting to like happen a little bit. And, um, Uh but at the same time, I really missed New York because I just, you know, I'd gotten out of a long-term relationship and I, you know, a lot of my friends, actually almost all of my friends were back in New York and um, I just kind of reminisced it. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, I romanticized it a lot. And um, it took me a few years to really get used to LA, but now yeah. it's like, I love it so much. It's a, it's a solid place to be. It's The weather's pretty good and yeah. it's, it's a lot of creative energy, obviously. So, yeah. Um, so then you put out, I met you when I was 18, right? That was when you were in LA. Yeah. Um, and I read that you thought of it more of just like a collection of songs more than an album, right? Was that yeah. more of like a, you're experimenting or what, what was the thought process beyond that? I think it was because it was a collection of songs that I had like already released from a long time ago that I didn't really want to be like, this is my album, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was so in the, in the yeah. beginning stages at that time of figuring out, you know, like myself and my own confidence and really, you know, doing the thing. And um, it just didn't feel right. So... But I mean, I obviously love, I love all the songs so much and yeah. it was an amazing process and yeah. Cool. Um, and, and I guess like, you know, as you release it, you started touring, you were everywhere. You were opening yeah. for people, you were on the road and I was reading it up a little bit, but I guess that really takes it a lot out of people um, to yeah. tour and to be on the road and doing that in front of people all the time. What yeah. was that process like for you? For me, it's like, incredibly overwhelming like even to this day yeah i mean when you, I'm know, on t- you know how it goes it's not easy but like everybody yeah. deals with it i think in different ways how yeah. is it for you yeah it was just like i would i would be like opening for people and they would be in a bus and i would be in like a little van and like obviously they could just sleep overnight as their driver went right but you know my tour manager was doubling as our driver so it's like he had to sleep and so we would we would i would get off stage we would miss their set we would have to go straight um, drive, you know, till like 3 a.m., sleep in a hotel for like three hours, get up again and finish driving to the next venue. It was definitely exhausting, but it was a fun grind. And then yeah. basically over time, it was just like that grew and grew and grew. And, you know, then it was like, oh, I was opening for Ed Sheeran in Asia for the first time in an arenas, which was crazy. And then he asked me to come up with him in the U.S. in stadiums, which was crazy. And, and and throughout that time, I was doing a bunch of my own tours and just the rooms kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, yeah, it's just been a crazy experience. That's awesome. Um, 
Did you at any certain point feel like burned out from it? I feel like I have friends who've gone through that. And then they were just like, I'm done. I can't. This is exhausting. Yeah. I was definitely getting burned out from it. And I think I wasn't coping with it in the best way. Like sometimes Mm. I feel like I started to… Because I have some self-confidence issues for sure. And I've gotten way more comfortable on stage. But Mm -hmm. I would like… I don't know. Like I would like drink before shows just so I could be confident. And it Uh just kind of became a little bit not good. Like it just wasn't like the best thing. Yeah. Obviously not the healthiest thing. So I think, you know, I had to like kind of step back and be like, okay, what am I doing? Like how can I do this more sustainably? And um, I started meditating before I went on stage, which helps me so much. Like that helps me so, so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that really changed my life and kind of like the dirt, like my stamina, I guess, on, on the road. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think one of the reasons that so many people around the world connect to you and your music is that you're very honest and you're very approachable and relatable in terms of not only the topics that you sing about, but the dialogues that you create around taking care of yourself. And mental yeah. health. Um, yeah. Is that something that was always part of who you were? Or is that something that you kind of developed as you were figuring your way out in this industry? Yeah. I definitely figured it out. I mean, I always, I've always been a very open book type person. Like I just mm-hmm. feel more comfortable when I share things. Um, so, you know, from the beginning, I always kind of wanted to do that after… I mean… Once I kind of got past that initial stage of like, I'm really scared to put my face out there. Once I started to do that more, I was like, okay, like, you know, I want to just be more open and, and real. Um, and yeah, I think just like over time, I just kind of opened up more and more and more. And especially with like the mental health thing, like I just like hit like a, such a bad rock bottom at the beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. And after like kind of going through that and like really thinking about the ways like, my friends and family helped me through it, you know, because I, I, there's people all around me who struggled, you know, with various yeah. depression, anxiety, OCD, bipolar, like, you know, everything. And um, I was like, like, you know, what really helped me is, is them being there for me and them telling me their story and like kind of under getting some perspective. And so I was like, if I can create, you know, that same type of vibe for other people, you know, then I was like, it helps me free myself and get past my own demons. And also I think can have the, I don't know, potential to help other people. So, Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, you're helping so many people around the world. I think especially in places like in Asia where, you know, having lived there for like nine, ten years now, one of the first things I realized was how, how much was lacking when it came to a dialogue in terms of mental health. Really? Okay. Um, like I just I still remember being like I want to I think I want to go see a therapist and he's like you you cannot go see a therapist and I was like why is like, really? that is there that is a potentially career ending move um, which was to me from an American perspective that's like the craziest thing to hear right yeah. like I feel like it's very normalized to be like yo I need help I need to go talk to somebody um, I'm gonna go do it but in Korea especially as a kid that can't speak good Korean going there to become a singer. When I was like, I'm going to try this. And everybody around me was like, no, no, no. Just keep it. Hide it away. Don't talk about it. Um, and so to That's see… Tough. Yeah, it's, it's, it was tough. But I think it's great. You know, people like yourself and other… A lot of singer-songwriters these days who are doing… Who are being very open with their emotions. I think it allows people not only, you know, in the English language… But also on the other sides of the planet to kind of have these discussions. So I think what you're doing is incredibly, incredibly valuable. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, 
if you're comfortable sharing is like when you say you hit rock bottom like at the early half of last year, what, do you know what that was or what kind of triggered those emotions and how have you kind of come to deal with them? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think I think about it a lot, like kind of what really got me there. I think it was a combination of things. Like I've always been a pretty… I don't know. I think since like my teenage years became a pretty like anxious person and like, you know, even with something like just being a super hypochondriac, like, you know, something simple mm-hmm. like that. Um, very obsessive. Um, and I don't know, I look back at a lot of my younger years and like, to be honest, like I think back, like I, I spent a certain amount of time kind of like alone, feeling isolated. And I just remember like even just sitting in my bedroom, like in high school, you know, when I wasn't with my friends and I never really talked about it, but just kind of like crying and being frustrated. Mm. And I don't even really remember why, but just kind yeah. of not feeling great. And um, I got to college and uh, oh. about halfway through, I experienced, I think my first bout of depression, which my, the psychiatrist at school was like, oh, like you should be on medication. And I totally denied it. I, I filled the prescription, never took a single pill and kind of like got, I think got out of it. But I would have these obsessive episodes, you know, like it would be, like I had, you know, this period of time, for example, where I was convinced I was like having, I was going to have a heart attack. And mm-hmm. I went to like so many doctors and they were all like, you're in perfect, like, including a cardiologist. They're like, you're in perfect health. Like you're great. Like you're good. But I like didn't believe them. And I was like, no, they're just missing it. And I just kind of mm-hmm. got more and more obsessive about things. Um, um, you know, then you tack on all of the stuff that started to happen with my career and touring all the time. And having so much to think about, I just grew like more and more anxious, more and more anxious. And I think that anxiety really took a toll on like my day-to-day happiness. And mm-hmm. just like, you know, I was getting lower and lower and lower. And um, I just hit a point where I was just so obsessive about all sorts of stuff in my life that I couldn't really like live my day-to-day life. Like I stopped being able to write songs. Mm-hmm. I was just like anxious all the time. I would wake up just straight anxiety. Like, I just felt like totally, like, I felt like my life entirely halted. Like, it was like January and I was just so, so, so stuck. And like, just like, I, yeah. And I became really, I think the thing I got really stuck on is I became super convinced that I was a bad person. And my brain started like finding obsessive reasons to convince myself I was a bad person. Um, and that just like destroyed me. And I was like, I, like, I literally got to the point where I was like, you don't deserve to be alive. Like I would tell myself that mm. and it was like, this is not good. And I started talking to my family about it. And, and my, one of my sisters was like, you need to go see a psychiatrist. And I started, yeah. you know, finding different therapists, like my team, my managers were like, you know, maybe you should try a different therapist. And I did that, found one that was really good for me and, uh, a psychiatrist who, who was like, you, this is what's going on. You know, you're experiencing obsessive anxiety or OCD and um, depression. And like, you know, you should really consider getting on medication, at least for a period of time. And I was super like, again, I was like, no, like no medication, mm-hmm. like pills for my brain, like no way. And then I was like, I, I literally have no other, I, I'm just so screwed at this point. So I decided to to do it. And um, after about a month, it just like, things started to get way better. Like I just like, it was actually kind of weird because it, at first I became a little too happy. Like it was unrealistic. Uh-huh. Like um, <laughs> my friends around me were like, this isn't, this doesn't seem right. Cause I was so depressed before. And then all of a sudden I was like, life is great. Life is a blessing. I'm so good. I like, uh-huh. you know, I bought my house. I got my dog. I like started buying a bunch of art. I started writing songs like like crazy. And I was like, this is normal. This is happiness. And, um, and, you know, then I came crashing down again, actually. Oh. And 
And then I had to like switch up the situation with the medication. And long story short, eventually got to a place where a balance of therapy and meditation and the right medication for me like really mm-hmm. helps me. And I'm in a place now where I can experience a full range of emotions. Like I'm not like stuck, like, oh, I, I'm yeah. numb. I can I can experience happiness. I can experience sadness. And um, but I'm also I don't get like rocked to the bottom. I don't have like my crazy bouts of anxiety. And um, so, yeah, it's it's been definitely a big journey for sure. I mean, that's that's incredible. Thanks so much for sharing that. And it's it's encouraging, I'm sure, for a lot of people to hear how you've overcome a lot of those struggles and um, anxiety and those types of things. But so coming off of that, that was probably like the first half of last year. Um, how did that come into and culminate into this album? How yeah. I'm feeling? How did that yeah, work out? Yeah, no, totally. Um, well, the first song that I wrote that I knew it was going to be like, this is an album was Drugs on the Internet, which is the first song on the on the album. And um, I wrote that and I was like, this is so different for me. Like, I'm so excited. Like, I'm not going to just be stuck in like heartbreak, like love song land. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write about other stuff, you know? And um, I did that. and But then for a while, I wasn't really very productive. And and then as I started to get better, you know, in, the, in like the following months in early 2019, I just... I just remember being like, okay, I want the album to be called How I'm Feeling. I want it to be sort of a balance of like seriousness, like, you know, open open mental health conversation. But also I have the little squigglies next to it to be like sort of pulling in internet culture and sort of like mm-hmm. not taking yourself too seriously at the same time. Um, yeah. So it was kind of the combo of those two things. And then I just started writing and writing and writing and writing and kind of wrote my way through all the different waves I was I was going through. And and originally it was going to be 15 songs. And then I, uh, I just like kept not being able to take <laughs> songs out. So then it and obviously landed at 21 and, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's an amazing album. And, uh, I just, I can't believe how prolific you are. Um, oh, you write you. so much. And, and when I follow you on Instagram, it feels like every other day you're like, I have a new song, I have a new song, I have a new song. <laughs> um, it's 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 great. How are you able to to crank out so much music? I don't know. I go through big periods where I can't write anything. Like I I've ha- I've probably had periods of like I don't know, 6 months or more where I'm barely writing anything. Mm-hmm. But I've been somehow something has been good for the past I don't know. I want to say like most of this year and a lot of, I mean, most of last year as well, where I was just like able to write and write. And I think the more I write, the better I get at like writing more because I'm just more Mm -hmm. open. And like, I don't know, like I think about all the time, like, uh, like I know something like Ed Sheeran would say in interviews. And like, you know, he said this to me before is like, it's like opening the faucet, you know, it's like, you got to write bad songs, write bad songs to get to the good ones. And you just got to open the faucet and write and write and write. And the more you do, the, the more it flows. So mm-hmm. I just feel like I make a habit of, especially now in quarantine, like almost yeah. every single day, I'm like sitting down, either starting something with my friends, pulling up a beat and freestyling on it, or writing something on the piano or the guitar. Like, I just try to always switch it up, I think. I think that helps a lot. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, going back a little bit to the album. So you put out uh, How I'm Feeling. Is there a particular reason that Drugs on the Internet is the first song on this album? and yeah. Is there a, I mean, you pre-released like 10 songs prior to the album dropping. Um, 
But is there a particular song on this album that really you hold closest to your heart or that you feel most yeah. connected to? Yeah. So with the drugs and the internet uh, question, basically, um, that that was sort of the beginning of of the process of what I wanted the album to be. You know, like that song was very much like this confronting this like honestly a similar thing that modern loneliness confronts so that's why i wanted to put them top and bottom modern loneliness is my favorite mm-hmm. song on the album um but they're both just kind of about like you know getting so sucked into like internet life and and you know all these people that you know or you think you know or you know of and like status update like blah 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 like followers likes like getting super sucked into that and feeling super lonely and like getting addicted to that high and not really paying attention to like your real world friends you know i mm-hmm. became very very much started doing that because i became hyper obsessed with it and um that was sort of like i it was the beginning of me also just kind of breaking this having a bit of this identity crisis of like oh i've been this like hopeless romantic person which is true like i'm definitely a hopeless romantic but at the same time there's a lot of other parts of me and um drugs and the internet was the first song i wrote that like broke that so i was like i want this to be mm-hmm. the beginning of the album and yeah being that message so um speaking on modern loneliness i think it's it's an incredibly timely song right now um <laughs> not only yeah. in just the message but also the fact that everybody's isolated um, and having a hard time dealing with connecting with people um how have you found yourself coping with quote unquote modern no- loneliness these days yeah. Um, well, since this whole thing has started, I've FaceTimed people so much more. Like I have a, yeah. a, a much more consistent group text with my family, especially yeah. in the beginning. I was like FaceTiming people I haven't spoken to in months or maybe even longer <laughs> and doing that and um, live streams. Um, yeah. Stuff like this. Um, yeah. Just, just as much use of the camera and the microphone to connect uh-huh. with people through the internet as possible, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, and then one other thing that I thought was really interesting is just this one-man boy band kind of concept. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think you put out the content in a way that was really funny, witty, but also it allows people to relate to different parts of who you are as a person, yeah. as an artist. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, this is great because for me… And I don't know how other other artists might feel, but for me, I've always had an issue with labels or whoever who say you have to be this way, you have right? to present this way. Yeah, Which I don't get because my my thing has always been artists are supposed to live life. You change your personality changes, and also totally, I have like all different sides. Like I have a public persona personality when I'm something yeah. serious. I have like with my friends personality, like. Yeah, and it's it was weird because I feel like you can't show all of it in a single singular artist project, but I feel like yes, you kind of flipped that on its head. Yeah, that was the whole goal. I mean, I felt so the same way as you. Like, I felt not even because of like like my team has always been super accepting, and I'm not on a major label, but I always felt like that. Like when I would go into meetings, like, what is your thing? Like, what is your brand? Which I get, like you know, but at the same time, like trying to make humans brands, I think is can be so destructive to your mental health, you know, mm-hmm. because it's just like we're humans are ever changing, you know, our spirits, our souls are ever evolving, depending on our experiences and what we believe and the people we meet. And, and um, there's we're so complicated that I think it's so it's such a bummer that like we get 
kind of encouraged to be put put ourselves in this box, you know, to be packaged mm-hmm. for people. And, you know, it's like, I get it, it works, but it's really, I couldn't do it. Like, I just, I couldn't do yeah. it. It was just driving me crazy. So, yeah, that was sort of the birth of the one-man boy band and the whole, like, the, yeah, the different versions of me that were, like, obviously all exaggerated, you know, but they're all, mm-hmm. yeah, aspects. No, I, I thought it was a great way to do it. And I was like, man, I wish I had thought of that. Because I thought it was so... <laughs> nostalgic as well in many ways. It makes you think of, you know, the early 2000s of, you know, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, whoever. And I was like, that's great. Um, Speaking of boy bands, obviously, you know, you're on K-pop Tebak and this is a K-pop related show. Um, So we do have to ask you a little bit about BTS. Obviously, you guys have collaborated um, twice now. Uh, You were on a version of Make It Right and then they are on your album as well. How did that entire process come about? Crazy, man. So crazy. I mean, I um, I remember like even before we met, like loving Make It Right. Like that was like, I, I think my favorite song mm-hmm. they put out and um, just everything about it. And um, I got a chance to go to the show when I was in London. I think I was doing some promo or something or playing a show and they were playing at Wembley Stadium. And um, I... I like got, went to the show and then I got a chance to meet them backstage and all super sweet. We took a photo. And then as I was leaving, um, uh, they asked me to do the remix for Make It Right. I was so taken aback. I was like, like of course, uh-huh. that's such a huge opportunity and, and so cool. And um, so I think like the next, I don't know, one or two days later in the studio in London, I recorded my part. Um, and then I was like, oh, like you're going to be in the beginning of the song. And I was like, this is even crazier. Like, I don't even like, why do I like, why? Like, that's so insane to me. So that happened and um, that was super crazy. And then I, I don't know, I was kind of like, I was going through demos and I found a demo for Who and I was like, oh, this could be really cool. Like I'll take a shot in the dark and see if they like it and mm-hmm. send it to them and they loved it. And then a few weeks later, unfortunately we didn't get a chance to be in the studio together, but um, they sent their the vocals over and- um, That's awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. What day were you at Wembley? I was at, I was at that show too. Or one oh, of- really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many they did. They probably did like… I don't know. Times. I was just… That Wembley Stadium show was crazy. I just remember being like, holy crap, this is wild. Everything. Uh, I mean, the production, like the dancing, the fact that there's no openers and it's just like… Yeah. Fans going crazy for like videos yeah. and stuff. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it. Literally, never. So crazy. Um, well, I mean, I'm so glad you guys are working together because it's… And I'm sure many of global fans all over the world are loving it. Um, But I guess beyond, you know, this BTS song and all that stuff, if there's one thing that you really want your fans to take away from this new album, you know, what would that be? Um, I want people to just feel more comfortable accepting, you know, all all parts of themselves. You know, that's something I've Mm -hmm. struggled with a lot, you know, feeling like the same way you're saying, like, oh, these different parts of my personality in different situations. And I've always wanted to be able to be like you know what this is all me all of these parts are me and i can just embrace this and in every moment just let it happen naturally and i hope that you know through the different vibes and the music and the visuals and the concept of the album that people can yeah get that awesome no i i i think people are i'm sure that you can see it but people are loving yeah. it and relating yeah. to it in so many cool ways um okay so i have you know some Twitter questions for you. So, let's do that. 
All right. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for for talking to us about the album. I personally am such a big fan of it. And I can't wait to, Thank you. to hear the new stuff that you're working on right now in yes. quarantine. Yes. Uh, and more videos been. from the album. Oh, really? So, yeah. How many more you got left up like up your sleeve? <sighs> I don't know. But there'll be more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep us waiting. All right. Yeah. Um, so we have a bunch of questions. We had a lot of questions come in from Twitter. Um, and we… Sweet. Our producers and uh, team went through and picked… How many of these? Six questions. Five oh. or six. I'm just going to go ahead and read them to you. This is from Lynch Fields. What was your craziest inspiration to write a song? Craziest inspiration to write a song? Uh… I think probably one of the craziest things was the song Billy on my album because it's just inspired by I just got my dog Billy and I was like in the studio and I was like, <laughs> let's make a song called Billy. And I, I, yeah, it was super weird. And it's kind of a fantasy song. It's like this made up story and yeah, it's very wacky. All right. So Billy, there it is. Um, yeah. Here you go. This is from Sukjin Stars. Uh, Love, you're known for being a big mental health advocate. Do you have any advice or words for people going through a tough time in lockdown? Yes. Um, well, I guess what I can, the best thing I can offer is just really, you know, what's been helping me and, um, you know, a few things, you know, uh, consistently meditating and speaking gratitude, you know, because obviously the situation, we can't change the fact that the situation is, it sucks, you know, there's there's a lot of bad, it's, it's bad. But, um, you know, what we can do is try to focus on finding any positives we can, obviously contributing in any way we can. But in terms of our mental state, just trying to focus on positives, trying to find things, you know, for me, it's music, but trying to find anything that you're like passionate about or that you've wanted to do, just anything you can do to like sort of distract mm -hmm. yourself, not in a negative way, but distract yourself, get lost in something. That's really right. helpful. Um, meditating has been super helpful for me. Um, like, yeah, that's been that's been crazy helpful. and and. Um, and I think, you know, in addition, like, uh, if possible, like I've been, I've been um, uh, doing Zoom calls with my therapist, which I'm really mm. thankful for. Super thankful for her. Yeah, That's great. Um, you know, for people, you know, I've never really meditated, but everybody around yeah. me started to meditate. What yeah. is that? I'm completely ignorant to it. For people who are yeah, not familiar with meditating, what yeah. does that look like for you? For sure. So I do a very kind of specific thing that I don't know how, how, common it is but you know i start with the sort of classic stuff of just closing my eyes putting my hands out breathing imagining my muscles relaxing and the anxieties mm. and stresses falling away and and continuing to breathe and each exhale letting go and but i do a lot of speaking so either i'll guide myself with my own voice or i'll guide other people through facetime or the people i'm living with um and just speak everything that comes to my heart you know mm -hmm. uh Everything, you know, just from trying to manifest the letting go of uh, of anything that's not serving you in that moment. Um, it's all about trying to get totally to that moment because our mind is bombarding us with like everything that we don't need right. to, that we have no control over. You know, it's like our mind is solving this problem and that problem and this problem and that problem and worrying about the future and the past. And, you know, all we can do is whatever we can do right now. So, it's it's trying to get to that place of right now and feeling sort of at peace and being aware of the feeling of the room around you or the nature or any of that um mm -hmm. and speaking gratitude and like sending love like i speak a lot of like sending love to people um that really helps me a lot too so awesome yeah. great no i i like 
I feel like I need to try it. Everybody's it's been really telling cool. me. I feel like I gotta try it. I'm probably gonna try it soon. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, this is from Air Lovnum. I need to know what is your Hogwarts house? <laughs> I'm just gonna say uh, I'm just gonna say Slytherin. I don't know why, but <laughs> all right, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, this is from. Let's see. From K-Poptopia. Can you ask him how his dad is doing? He was my high school chemistry teacher. No way! <laughs> Let's go, Dr. Left. Yeah, he's doing great. He's been teaching online. And uh, yeah, I've been… Yeah, it's been good. Me and, and him and my mom, we've been talking and FaceTiming. And he's… It's so funny. I'll like FaceTime my parents and my dad will be like in a Lauv hat and a Lauv hoodie. <laughs> it's so funny. He's he's the best. He's so supportive and yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, all right, and we this is from Jung Shuki five ten. Uh, you already we already talked about BTS, but would you like to collab with any other K-pop artists? Who are you looking at these days? Anybody in the K-pop world that's kind of piqued your interest? You know, so the way I've I've sort of approached features in general is I've I've sort of like um, I never really aside from like. Coldplay and Drake, I've never really been like, oh, I need to collaborate with a specific artist because like, mm -hmm. I don't really, I like it to be supernatural. So like yeah. every, along the way, it's always been like, I meet somebody and we become friends or, or something along those lines. So I don't know. I'm super open. I guess it just depends on kind of how things develop. So yeah. Awesome. Yep. So you guys look out for it. Who knows? Who knows who we'll run into in the future. <laughs> Um, and then finally, this is not a question, but a thank you from me, 1800 Save. Not really a question, but I really wanted to thank you for bringing mental illness and health safely into the spotlight that it's okay not to be okay. So yeah. Well, of course. Thank I you. mean, yeah, it's, it's really important. So, um, Yeah, man. I mean, I think what you, what you've been doing is amazing. Obviously, I feel like… Your music, your message, everything—it's been—it's been super cool watching and listening and um, experiencing all the different sides of who you are as an artist. So, um, thanks for thanks for doing that. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and then before we wrap things up, um, I just want to like—I feel like we talked about a lot of heavy topics. Um, I feel you. So to kind of liven it up, to leave everybody on a brighter note. Let's talk something just random, you know. Okay. Anything, um, such as, do you believe in ghosts, or what is the coolest vacation oh. spot that you want to go back to? I don't know. Anything. Yes. Just this cool story. I love this. First of all, I love this. I I go back and forth on ghosts. Sometimes I really believe in them. I'm the type of person who's like, I don't know. But then when I'm in bed at night, I'll be like, like, okay, I'm ready to see a ghost. No, 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 I'm not ready to see a ghost. In my <laughs> mind, I'll be like, I don't know if you do that, but my mind will be like. Ghost show yourself. And then I'll be like, yeah. no, no, no. I'm actually scared. So that's yeah. me on ghosts. On vacation spots, um, Tulum. Tulum or Venice. Oh, um, Mexico. Venice, Italy. Yeah, Tulum is so beautiful. I went there around Christmas time with some mm -hmm. of my friends and had like just the best time. It was so fun. Like, oh, it was the best. And also Venice is so beautiful. Um, so whenever what? I can travel again. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully soon. What is it about Venice? Like Venice to me, I have very mixed feelings about. Because… Really? Okay. I think it's super cool, but like half the time it's flooded. And then there's so many tourists that it, it also feels kind of gross at the same time. Yeah. You know? I guess I didn't experience… 
I definitely didn't experience the flooding. And I don't know if I went in a super popular time. So mm -hmm. I just thought it was really charming. I personally love, some people have argued with me about it, but I love the food. Like I love the pizza. I love the pasta. Like, uh, I don't know. And I think it would be fun to go there for like a romantic vibe. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just so different to me. So, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a different place. Um, what are you looking forward to in the next like year or two? What do you, what do you, do you have any, do you, are you the type of person that like sets goals? It's like, I'm going to hit this goal. Or are you just kind of like, yeah, figure it out. I feel like I used to be super goal oriented, but I just drove myself crazy. So I'm just trying to like, I think my goal is like, wake up and do what I love to do every day and like mm -hmm. be happy and try to bring happiness wherever I can. And yeah, um, vibe. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. And then, you know, obviously a lot of our listenership, we have a very big base in, in the States and North America, but we also have a huge amount of people in Asia and Korea. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know you've, you've been in Asia a few times. Um, yeah. Anything that really sticks out to you from, you know, touring or working or performing in Asia? Yeah, I mean, literally, I think the biggest head, headline show I've ever played. I, I, honestly, a bunch of my biggest shows have been all, all over Asia. And, oh, really? Um, just so much support. Like, it's like, uh, I think that's been like the only place that I've had to have like security with me because I'm, I'm not like, it's not like that for me. I, I can like live my life and do things. Um, <laughs> and um, no, it's been amazing. I mean, I, all the cultures, I would love to like spend more time and learn a lot more about, you know, all the yeah. different cultures. It's obviously super different. Um, I, one of the places I, I always have a dream of going in for a few weeks or maybe even a month or, or more going to like Tokyo and just like existing and just, mm -hmm. you know, like trying to figure out that whole vibe because I love Tokyo and yeah, I mean, just so many fond memories. That was the first place I played arenas. Yeah. Wow. Just amazing. Amazing. All right. So, well, yeah. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people around the world are waiting for you to be able to tour again. And yeah. uh, to see you live. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us thank you. on the show. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Appreciate you being so open and honest. Um, of where can people find you? Where Where should we, ha you know, lead people to? Yeah. Pretty much just Lauv songs everywhere. L-A-U-V songs. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, and, you know… Please stay healthy. Please stay safe. You too. Hopefully you too. we can connect in person sometime in the near future when this is all over. Yeah. Let's do it. And um, what we do as a kind of a tradition here as we wrap up is we ask our guests uh, to kind of improvise a quick outro jingle. Um, is that something you'd be up for? Yeah. I'll try it. I don't know what I'm going to do though. <laughs> Anything. Okay. Uh, um. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> thanks for watching the show. Yeah. Hey, all right. Simple and good. We got to the point. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us here on K-Pop Daybuck with Lauv Ari. Uh, please be sure to check out his new album, How I'm Feeling, and uh, connect with him on his socials at Lauv Songs. Uh, again, thank you so much. Wishing you the best. And uh, come you. back and visit us. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. All right. So that was our conversation with Lauv. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Such a great dude. Please check out his music. And um, if you guys haven't done so, again, please, quick reminder, just subscribe to our show. 
Connect with us on Instagram at Tebak Show, Twitter at Tebak Show, and we have our Dive Studios uh, pages and accounts where we have all sorts of different content, fun stuff, interesting stuff, memes and GIFs or GIFs or however the hell you want to call it. And finally, please consider becoming a patron of ours at patreon.com slash dive studios. Big shout out again. Thank you to Nancy, Kangmin, Eloisa, and Molly. And uh, hopefully we'll see your names on this list very soon. Have a great week, guys. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Love you guys. Bye. Outro! Thank you for listening to K-Pop Debug with Eric Nam. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. We're Good Moms, Bad Choices podcast. Two black single moms living in L.A., the valley to be exact. Duh. We keep it 100, real, and unfiltered every Wednesday. This is not your average mom show. No DIYs, mommy hacks. Or complaining about how our kids just hit their 60-month milestone. This is grown folks talk. That's right, because mama got to have a life too. Nothing is off limits as we discuss mental health, sex, motherhood, dating, culture, and our sometimes bad choices. With a range of guests from social action activists to porn star parents. This is a judgment-free zone for moms, women, and anyone looking for their tribe. Join us, your hosts, Erica and Mila of Good Moms, Bad Choices podcast. Every Wednesday on all podcast platforms. A-Cast, 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 A-Cast recommends. recommends.